0: Hello, Josebo. Bonjour and welcome to Planet of the Climates. POTK is a ClimaDAL podcast to bring you the latest information and insight into the world of climate action. Klima is a blockchain protocol backed by carbon credits that gives people a chance to fight climate change as a collective and get rewarded for doing so. Klima sits at the intersection of blockchain, climate science, and finance, so there's no shortage of great topics for us to explore together. My name's Phaedrus, and I'll be your host on this adventure. I'm joined by my good friends and co-hosts Reg and Diamond Hands as we discuss the latest Klima news,
1: drop some occasional alpha,
0: and connect you with the biggest and brightest names currently exploring this space. Today, we're chatting with Eveen Sheikh Osman from the World Economic Forum. So let's just jump right into this. So Eveen Sheikh Osman is a policy analyst with the Crypto Impact and Sustainability Accelerator at the World Economic Forum's Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Evine recently published a very popular post on why the debate about crypto's energy consumption is flawed. And she shared the stage with our very own Climate Partnerships lead, Sai Ziggy, during a panel session at Techonomy Climate 2022, their conference just a few weeks back. So thanks so much for taking the time to join us, Eveen It's really an honor. We'll undoubtedly take a lot of time to unpack and learn more about just what the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution is all about, and your work at the Crypto Impact Sustainability Accelerator. But before we get into all of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your own story, and maybe a little bit on your journey with cryptocurrency too.
2: Sure thing, and thanks so much for having me. So my background is actually in foreign policy and international macroeconomics, both of which were super key focus areas of my graduate degree in public diplomacy, which I got at University of Southern California. And shortly after getting my degree, I was working at Homeland Security Investigations for about two years, meandered into the public policy world for a little bit, and then ultimately found my way to the World Economic Forum, where I actually started out in data policy. And I was leading a lot of their data privacy work related to deep fakes and intimate image abuse. And it really wasn't until August of last year that I formally moved into crypto. So a little bit of a backstory there, the former head of the forum's blockchain and digital assets platform, she had asked me if I actually wanted to work with her to kickstart this super cool new initiative on crypto that essentially drew all of the areas that I personally am passionate about around, you know, social impact and economic rights and, you know, elevating communities that are often left out of important decisions abounding new technological innovation. So, of course, I said, yes, I'm in. I'm And I was so glad that I did end up taking up that opportunity because this space has just really turned into one of the most dynamic and interesting opportunities that I've had in my professional career thus far. So, Currently, I'm a policy analyst for the Forum CISA initiative, where I essentially drive project delivery, content strategy, and thought leadership specifically for our crypto sustainability work, which falls under CISA's environment pillar. And I'm currently in the final scoping phase, which is really exciting for this particular pillar. But the direction that I've been leaning towards is really exploring how crypto as both a utility and industry can contribute meaningfully to global environmental sustainability.
0: Wow. Very cool. <laughs> Great to hear your story and the background there. Just for our listeners to, to back things up so they fully understand as well too, can you just, what's the elevator pitch on the World Economic Forum, I guess, and how does the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution fit into that as well too?
2: Totally. So CESA is a grant-funded initiative mm-hmm. and it's housed on the forums blockchain and digital assets Platform which operates out of the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution Hub in San Francisco, California. And the office there drives initiatives and insights that completely abound all technological innovations from IoT to AI. And we support a lot of our centers across the world to deliver and amplify their impact at scale. So CISA actually launched back in January. And the core mission for us at the forum with this project is to essentially be this Neutral arbiter of trust, really, and to just convene experts from across the crypto industry and other sectors such as climate and policy and civil society, especially to encourage a greater understanding of the environment, social and governance impact of crypto in both practical and actionable terms. So, like I've alluded to earlier, we've organized CISA into three separate pillars substantiated upon ESNG. And the thread through lines that tie all of these pillars together is really ecosystem centricity and equity as constants in the work that we do, as well as ensuring that the research we broker is evidence-based and, of course, always future forward.
3: Wow. Who would be a a consumer of the research being produced? Hmm.
2: Great question. So, I mean, I feel like saying everybody isn't necessarily the answer people want. (laughs) But our target audience, especially for the work we're doing around crypto is really for the industry worldwide, as well as for policymakers. We really try to broker that gap of information and education between the two so that there is some constructive dialogue.
0: Okay. So you said CISA has been around since just this past January then too. So you're new and it's great to hear your mission here. Some very cool work. It sounds like you're up to, do you have any highlights, any specific things that you'd point to that uh, you're proud of so far that the team's uh, done or worked on?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a few things in the pipeline that I'm not at liberty to share publicly yet. We have some things coming out next week, which I would be more than happy to send the links to so that we can share them out more broadly. But one specific announcement that I'm sure is Like on top of mind for most (laughs) is, of course, the forum's annual meeting that's taking place in Davos next month. And CISA is going to have a really big presence there, which is a really big deal because crypto is still also new to the forum. Right. So I'm going to be hosting a panel entitled Crypto's Carbon Footprint, which is going to be publicly live streamed. And it's going to be available to your listeners to tune in if they would like. Um, So that would be cool to do. And the objective of the panel is to essentially explore how the effective use of crypto and the evolution of governance in this space can really help to optimize how other industries can potentially reach their climate goals faster. And the conversation we're really trying to help facilitate here is going to encompass thoughts from our speakers on the risks and opportunities that this technology enables for people communities and other species across our ecosystem. So we're really trying to move away from the default crypto energy debate and instead illuminate the audience to the more important human and nature specific challenges and opportunities that often get missed in these types of discussions. So we're all really excited about it.
0: Oh, that's very cool. Glad to hear about that. And that's a perfect segue, I think, too, for a post that you had done that I know definitely caught our attention. Yeah, the article really points out the utility of crypto is just not widely understood. So in your mind, what's the biggest thing that people are overlooking or just don't realize yet about the utility of crypto?
2: So, I mean, look, there is no debate that crypto is indeed energy consumptive. That is a fact. But the point to your question that tends to get overlooked is the theme across the article that I wrote and the presentation at Techonomy that really is around crypto societal merit. So what do I mean by this? Um, In general terms, utilities, as we all understand them to be, are accepted as they value or add value rather to society, right? Their energy consumption becomes less a question of morality and one of basic human necessity. So in order to drive this point home, I use the tumble dryer example, which since the Techonomy conference last month has been a recurring hit, which I find hilarious.
0: (laughs) It really stuck, yeah.
2: (laughs) But I used it because it's the most basic comparison and one that everyone can understand and connect with. And most of us here in the U.S., we use, and, you know, in most Western societies, we use Humble dryers and just like any utility, such as aircraft and heaters and the like, they consume energy. And I really wanted to enlighten the listeners, especially those in the room who are not necessarily privy to all of the nuances and sensitivities and complexities that abound this technology, about the fact that there really is no moral debate taking place regarding the energy impact of all of the utilities that they use, right? So I wanted to just kind of get them thinking, like, hey, Crypto is also going to get there at some point as well, and it's just a matter of time. And the crypto community is really in this pivotal juncture right now where there's really a need for education and spreading awareness and expanding the topic to what people understand and finding alignment with how crypto can best serve basic human needs, which in many parts of the developing world, as I had alluded to many, many times before, it's already doing that, right? So more broadly, I just believe that the current debate around crypto's energy consumption just really needs to move away from putting this spotlight on reductive perspectives on technology in general, and looks to how technologies and emerging industries like crypto can meaningfully contribute to some of the major global issues impacting so many people and species across our ecosystem.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it comes to the most popular blockchain, Bitcoin is really kind of implicated the most along with Ethereum currently with the proof of work. But a lot of the blockchains, for example, Polygon is a very low energy consumption, like 99.9% less than a proof of work system. Ethereum is moving in that direction as well. So I think that is the biggest backup to this debate as well as the uh, footprints are really actually for most of blockchains, quite small. And a lot of these utility chains that are used in the developing countries are quite green, actually. So I think that uh, it'll be an easy narrative to get past over the next year or so. But maybe you could just comment on what challenges you still face in terms of your work in the World Economic Forum and where you're still running into barriers.
2: So I think that around where I'm seeing adoption and acceptance actually really cool to be a part of that transformation and mindset just because I can just give a recent example when I was at the Techonomy conference, you are in a room full of just brilliant minds in the climate space and of course in technology and whatnot, but not so many folks who'd quite understand crypto deeply, right? And what was interesting and what really kind of was like my light bulb moment was when after my panel, I was totally expecting some folks telling me you're wrong. This is what I read in like the New York Times. Like it crypto is going to like kill the planet. But it ended up being that just some of the biggest names came up to me and saying, Hey, I never thought about crypto in the way that you had articulated it. I didn't even think about how it's actually being useful two people in different parts of the world that do not have access to a stable monetary system that didn't even cross my mind. And I was just so interlocked in the narrative that has been pushed by, you know, media and skeptics and whatnot, that that is what I regarded as the one source of truth. So it was just kind of their aha moment as well. And just sort of empowered them to educate themselves and just garner greater awareness of what the potential and the capabilities really are, aside from sort of the surface level extrapolations of statistics that we've always seen and continue to see, right? So the lack of up-to-date and evidence-based data on the breakdown of crypto's energy consumption and just, you know, also of renewable energy usage or lack thereof, and generally verifiable information that can demonstrate the impact of the work and the solutions underway across the industry. And not having this has been problematic when working with regulators in particular. There are, of course, well-respected sources of information such as Cambridge Bitcoin, Electricity Consumption Index, and there are reports that get released by coin shares, for example, which are really helpful. But I mean, if we want to do an overall assessment of where the entire crypto industry has a whole stands on the pendulum of sustainability, it's really challenging to access one source of truth and to to garner collective consensus on crypto sustainability, which has, of course, created a lot of fragmentation in this sector.
3: Definitely. Yeah. It took a while even to analyze Polygon when Klima worked with Offsetra to come to a total carbon footprint so to speak for the polygon network and it was difficult but i totally agree with you getting the data and then helping these regulators these people in positions of authority know how to positively communicate about blockchain i think like you said turns a light bulb on in their head which i think is just fantastic that we're reaching these individuals and they're interested and receptive Uh, so we're talking about energy consumption a lot why is it well we're all interested in climate change and uh, utilizing blockchain to help tackle this crisis. What are your v- views on this in terms of what role, how big of a role block ch- you know, blockchains like Polygon or others, for example, may be used to help with this climate crisis?
2: Totally. I mean, it's a great question. And I want to just caveat here before I get any deeper that <laughs> blockchain and crypto are really not silver bullets. To solving the climate crisis. I think it's important just to reaffirm the statement as a form of level setting before we dive into what potential looks like, right? So I think that the last time I checked. Uh, the global crypto market size is projected to reach 4.9 billion by 2030, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that this is going to be a pretty critical year for crypto, but also for the planet, right? So I think that blockchains, as you had alluded to earlier, and just crypto in general, I think that there's a lot of potential there. I think that it can help. And it's a strategic multi-feature, <laughs> rather, utility and an energy buyer of last resort that has this potential to help decarbonize what has become an unreliable and aging power grid infrastructure, while also incentivizing wider adoption of renewable fuels like solar and wind power to be built that's retiring the use of fossil fuels faster, which is something we all want to see.
3: So there's this old meme that blockchain solves that, you know, that old old kind of when everyone was super excited in 2017 about everything, the potential of cryptocurrency. And there was all these altcoins popping up that literally promised to save the world and become the world, you know, currency and, and so on and so forth. And I definitely don't want to give the impression that uh, you know, we think that it, it is the solution to climate crisis. And I know you didn't say that either, but I think it has, it, it may be well suited to the carbon market side of things. And I'm sure there are going to be other applications that we have not even conceived of yet that help bridge this financial gulf between the developed world and the developing world where, you know, the sort of those that are most responsible for the climate crisis, will be linked to those who are suffering the consequences of it, perhaps left behind the most because of it. And so I do see I do see the financial side of things being well-suited because of the global accessibility of it and the permissionless nature of it and the transparency, of course, to the... And so I'm excited about that side of things, but we love exploring, even though our focus, of course, is, is blockchain with this podcast, and climate Dow specifically, we love exploring all aspects of the solution or the proposed solutions to climate climate action. That came through, I think, in our interview with Chad Frischman and with Project Drawdown. And I think we felt that it's our uh, one of our goals to bring this kind of education towards all of our listeners who are. Uh, at least at first, were primarily blockchain based and and climate change was basically a new science to them and and climate action was new. so so just to put that out there that we we love exploring all these different uh, as- avenues. Um, what I wanted to actually ask you next was about uh, Biden's uh, executive order. and whether that <clears throat> perhaps took you by surprise at all, or were you what was your take on the um on the executive order as a, related to cryptocurrency and perhaps in particular, the notes on uh, climate action?
2: Right, great question. I wasn't necessarily as surprised as I was measurably optimistic about it. I think that that's something. I think that that's something that ha- was pretty much shared across the industry as well. I mean, we spoke about it a little bit with a few of our partners that work with us on the CESA initiative at the World Economic Forum and. You know, there were a lot of naysayers, but for the most part, it was pretty enlightening. And it just was a huge signal to the rest of the global community that despite skepticism and whatnot, there is a lot of efforts within the government in the United States in particular, really kind of looking to be a leader, hopefully, we'll see, a leader in this emerging technological domain and to really facilitate a dialogue and to facilitate an impact investment really around what is possible. And of course, this is something that was a huge point of contention with the European Parliament's MICA amendments for crypto mining, in particular around proof of work. And that was a huge issue. Of course, it hasn't closed down. We'll still see that emerge as well. Um, backed up because we're ex- going to be expecting another vote coming in. But I mean, it just kind of was a huge signal to all of us that the United States really wants to be a beacon of hope and to be a beacon for this technology to kind of broker some greater investment in this area and attention as well.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it read that it read like people were involved who knew cryptocurrency. That's that when I read that, that's what kind of struck, struck me. Do, you mentioned that it's kind of circulated a little bit. Who was involved outside of government in in helping draft this?
2: Right. I mean, I'm not privy to exactly who came in to help draft this thing, but I do share that sentiment with you. I mean, it definitely read as though you had a few folks from the community that helped um, inform and articulate some of the wording there. But um, I think what's great is that um, without naming names. Um, a few folks from our steering committee on CISA were readily involved in having regular discussions with regulators and policymakers that are privy to this space, making sure that the dialogue and the um, narrative that's being built around these digital assets are well evidenced and well informed. And perhaps they were part of the conversation around this executive order or the wording around the um um, the amendment specifically for the Science and Technology Center. I mean, all of that is up in the air. I can't really give any names, but it's really great to kind of see how it's not just um, a bunch of lawmakers getting together, trying to figure out how to do the thing. It's <laughs> you have a few folks in the community coming in being like, hey, let me hold your hand and help you through it. So it's a it's a good thing to see, right? We want to see that happen. We want to see more of that happen.
1: I just want to really ask, when do you actually discover about regenerative, regenerative finance and, or clima specifically?
2: Sure. So I've been relatively privy to the concept of refi as just a broader element of my past studies in macroeconomics, at the nexus of social and environmental costs in particular. That being said, I'll just kind of go into Klima more specifically, and maybe I could just like make a boomerang back to refi. So over the last few months, I had been hosting a series of workshops with the forum on crypto and net zero and had invited a bunch of really cool people from across crypto, climate. We had a few folks from baking and finance and the policy sector. And one of the folks who joined was actually Raphael, I'm the CEO and co founder of Tucson Protocol. And he had mentioned ClimaDAO a few times throughout our workshop discussions with the community. And that really caught my attention. I didn't really hear about Klima DAO before that. And Raphael is such a brilliant leader in the industry. So I obviously had to follow through with the names he's been dropping. So that's when I started to do some research about Clima and just discovering then the ripple effect of impact in network building that this DAO has been able to facilitate. which then led me back to refi and its application to Web3. So, of course, now I think it's just evolved into more of a movement, if anything, and has definitely been eye-opening to just how expansive this area has gotten, especially in its application to emerging tech. And as we see with Climadao and other community-led projects like Moss, for example, I know you recently had a pod episode with the founder there The common denominator that we see with refi structures, especially as it applies to Web3, is that for the most part, it provides systemic and holistic solutions to systemic problems that have yet to be resolved by traditional methods or systems, for that matter. So. With all of that being said, it's just been a really cool space to see evolve and just to see entities such as Clean It Down and other community initiatives kind of following suit and doing really cool stuff in the space.
1: Yeah, it's really cool to see how the refi space has built itself out for the last six months and to see where we are today. uh, Truly amazing to look back and look at where we were we were nothing six months ago and now it's a it's a growing community and we are in fact going to have a refi summit and so uh, having said that i think this is one thing that you know when the core members are pseudonymous and uh you know does this really bother you or you know others that are working in your team and how does it like with making sai himself in person
2: oh that's a good question i feel i think that if i recall the first thing that i said to sai was like oh my God, I'm so excited to get to meet someone from Klima in person. (laughs) He was super cool and obviously such a privilege to share a stage with him. I mean, he shared so much of the technicalities around this technology that I feel like we all just needed to understand a little bit more. But I think that, I mean, for me personally, I don't have an issue with the pseudonymony. But I think that at the end of the day, as long as you're, you know, and I think this goes for all community-driven initiatives, especially for DAOs. I think that as long as you are being transparent with the impact that you're brokering, the people that you're bringing into the fold, how you're coming to you know certain conclusions and deliverables, where you're getting your data, like all of the things that really is required to really get the full picture in terms of the impact at scale, I think that that is speaks more to the project itself. As opposed to just the, I guess, the singular issues that folks tend to have around pseudonomy. Yeah,
1: I do agree. Like, I think one of the things that was very, that was brought, brought to attention was that uh, one of our core members, Archie, was just saying that uh, a lot of our core members have a lot of experience in the carbon markets or in the energy market itself. And, you know, having this hidden identity would be great for us to just letting the project work and build on its merits rather than who's running the project itself. So that was something that was really, you know, a different way of looking at things.
2: Yeah, I mean, I totally, and if I can add, I mean, one of the pillars of CISA, we're actually focusing on DAOs and just trying to bridge more comprehensive education around what it actually means to put a DAO together, what the mission is, and examples of other DAOs across the crypto space and Web3 in general, and just making sure that there's just a broader understanding of what this means, and also to how we think about impact at scale, really. So happy to shed light a little bit on that as well. But I think that that's something that's really needed in this space, because it is so new people from traditional organizations, such as the Forum or the World Bank or whatnot, they just really don't understand how these entities operate. And it's just, a new thing right so we need to help them get there
1: yep speaking of new things right it goes to my next question which is a question that i ask all our guests so the question is if CISA or refi become successful what do you foresee you know in 2033 just like 11 years from now how does the space in refi and CISA will look like
2: I love this question. Got to end it with a fun question. Totally love it. I definitely see this technology being more socially accepted as both a human and climate positive utility, especially as we embark on 2030 and onward. And um, just to kind of briefly explain what I mean here, because we're using this terminology a little bit more with CISA as well. This concept around human and climate positivity, if we just step out the default notions regarding net zero, it refers to essentially the act of going beyond what is needed for humans and biodiversity more broadly to survive by putting in place infrastructures that really enable our ecosystem to thrive and healthily navigate potential future challenges, right? And we really see this as an act of empowerment that aims to set all futures up for success now and to forthcoming generations there is no stop and pause point when it comes to climate change, right? So as an industry, we must always really be thinking in an open future forward way. And this kind of brings me to my final point that I'm going to drive home with CISA, which is that I really believe that what sets the crypto industry apart is really the diverse efforts underway that prioritize human challenges in conjunction with the health and prosperity of Earth's biodiversity. And I mean, entities like you know, Moss and OASA and ClimaDAO and all of these different projects, I mean, just are just a lot of different examples and great cases and points that are doing work that really embodies this ecosystem design approach that really encompasses human and nature centric impact. So as we're thinking about this future, the object of Web3 innovation and design should continue to be about ecosystem centricity and how new technologies can best all species across the biosphere. That being said, I think that ultimately the industry is going to be judged for how its ability to be human or for its ability to be human rather, and its ability to be nature inclusive and to do so in a way that really fosters positive change in tackling human challenges and accelerating nature-based solutions. And I truly believe that if the crypto community works collectively and puts fragmentation aside and has this mindset now, the trajectory of the crypto industry's global impact into 2030 will just more noticeably demonstrate to even its most harshest critics that this technology is indeed a climate and human positive utility just capable of really building meaningful impact and balancing that with real risks and challenges as well.
1: Oh. Thank you so much. I really love the way you you phrase it, like really looking at the human aspects of things. That's really a fresh take on things in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate that beautiful long-term vision that you've got there. Really, it's definitely been yeah an eye-opening conversation for us. And I think for many of our listeners, you know, might not even, you know, realize or it would seem, uh, you know, curious or strange to them to realize that the World Economic Forum is doing this really cool work and diving into this stuff. So perhaps just like a final segue, um, you know, you've kind of spelled out that long term vision there with that beautiful answer to Diamond Hands question. And perhaps just, you know, a little closer to home, how about like right around the corner, like literally what's next for World Economic Forum and CISA? You did mention earlier, you know, that CISA is going to be at Davos. You've got some work coming up on DAOs as well, too. What else would you think uh, we should know about?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously going to share the fact that we're going to be pulling together a community for CESA's environment pillar after the annual meeting. And we're also going to be pulling together an advisory committee that's going to kind of help us to bridge out the strategic vision for this pillar. And we really want to bring about impact drivers and industry leaders and obviously people within the community that aren't necessarily brought to the table, specifically people that are impacted the most from, you know, climate devastation and technology and it's an action and consequences and whatnot. We really want to have those voices in the room so that we can be all encompassing with the work that we're going to be driving forward. And that's really important to us and to our partners as well. Um, I'll also say that we have our social impact pillar, which I guess is a whole podcast or conversation in and of its own. It's a remarkable piece of work. It's um, being titled the Crypto Research and Design Lab. And it's really all of these notions around social impact and um, bridging um, black and people of color and um, all of these different communities that are working in the Web3 space that don't have the platforms necessary to really optimize the work that they're doing and to shed spotlight to some of the challenges, the specific challenges that they're dealing with on the day to day and to really give them the opportunity and to help sort of optimize and put a spotlight on what they're doing so that they can really, um, you know, Have all of the resources and access all of the things that they need to really reach the potential that they should be able to reach at the capacity that others are as well. So, um, that's a really great piece of work as well. And, um, we're doing a lot of initiatives there with, um, our partners at Coindesk. And, um, we're going to be also, um, at the consensus hack or consensus conference. Um, In June, where we're going to be hosting a hackathon that's going to kind of be taking some of the um, buzzwords that I had mentioned earlier around human centricity and um, nature centric design and really kind of putting that to the test and bridging people together from the coding and the social impact world and urban developers that don't necessarily have the chance to work together and kind of putting them in a room and saying, hey, we got to work together and kind of think of ways to actually put together solutions or potential building blocks to solutions that we want to see in this space. And we can only get there if we have the minds across all sectors involved. So really exciting there.
0: That's that's just so awesome. And you did allude to the fact that, you know, we could have a whole dedicated episode to all of these things you've just talked about. It does feel like during this conversation, we've just barely scratched the surface of what you're getting up to there. Just very cool and Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Really, really appreciate it. And we'd, we'd love to have you back in the future. No doubt about it. Yep. Thank you very much.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess, I mean, just final call then too, that if there, I mean, that's it for our, our questions that we had planned out. Um, but if there's anything that you um, want to talk about that you didn't or that you felt we could have or should have asked about, um, just last call or just uh, open open question there for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I actually had a question that I'm curious to, like, find your answer to. I mean, um, I know we alluded to big organizations like the World Bank. And of course, I work the forum. And um, as we're trying to pivot and navigate this space and find where our, like, role is, where we can be productive and helpful. I mean, given your role, what do you wish or hope that organizations such as the forum could pay attention to, or maybe keep in mind as we're doing this work for SESA in particular?
0: Great question. And I think, uh, you know, just speaking for myself, I think I'm really just getting up to speed on, on the work that you are doing. So I think I've been like, yeah, blown away by it and great to discover and make this connection. Um, You know, being, Selfish, perhaps it would be great to see you know Klima kind of involved in some of your um, committees or whether whatever other opportunities come up at future events. I know, um, yeah, our core team or any of us would be just thrilled to be involved in those conversations as they keep going forward. Yeah, from my view, it would be um, it would be educating um, lawmakers and
3: regulators. Uh, as to uh, the positive side, as you've been doing, and um, and I think you've struck a chord on that front already. So I would hope that that would be, uh, uh,
1: yeah, made a priority as well. Yeah, likewise for me, it's I echo what Ratchet said. But I think the key here it's knowledge. Uh, you know, understanding crypto tokenomics it's it's quite tough. And then you're not understanding uh, cr- climate change, carbon markets and uh, but we, we, we are the fortunate one and those who are and especially our listeners who listen in uh, but you know for the greater the, the wider audience they may or may not have the access or even knowing where to start uh, learning about all these things so that that will be something that i think will be great to work on
2: no that's great thank you so much that's helpful i mean it's definitely helpful for me as i'm kind of working through the space and you know I'm trying to get on um board with a lot of a lot of these different concepts and terms. I feel like by no means are we all experts. I feel like we're constantly learning and what is a very highly accelerative space. So to be gracious and humble with each other and you know productive at the same time, I think it's just helpful and enlightening at the end of the day. So
3: Yeah, I agree. But I just want to make one last comment. I think that you kind of just alluded to it, got me thinking that one way to explain this to regulators is that it's it's like an accelerator, like you just said. It is it is a very rapid development of new technology, new concepts, new ways of organizing. I mean, the, the innovation that has occurred over the last two years in cryptocurrency alone is really staggering. And it's just an open green field of experimentation. And a lot of things are going to fail. We know that from the, I mean, well before crypto, we knew that in the venture capital space, you know, 90 plus percent of new ventures will fail. And the venture capitalists make their money based on the 10% or so that succeed, right? And so it's really kind of a similar concept to crypto. So when people are concerned about protecting the public, you know, losing money and whatnot, I mean, of course, you know, no one wants to lose money, but on the other hand, this is a highly experimental area still, but that's fantastic because the general public has access to it. And so you amplify all this innovation by not restricting it to accredited investors or small groups of funds who can decide what's good and what's not good, the whole public can participate in it. And so I think it's a very powerful force. And and that may scare some politicians, but I think a lot of them would understand the the huge benefit that it can bring.
2: Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better than myself. So that was very well articulated. I agree. <laughs> I have my <laughs> moments. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to head out, but again, thanks so much. This was really fun and I appreciate what y'all do and um, have a good night or morning, wherever you are. Thank you.
3: Take care. Take care. Cheers. Bye.
0: Wow, definitely a great conversation. I thought it was great to chat with Avine and learn more about her work at the World Economic Forum. Definitely did not realize until a couple of months ago, you know, all the work that's happening there that's tied to crypto and sustainability. And I don't know about the two of you, but I just really appreciated discussing, you know, the bigger picture around the social utility of crypto and blockchain. And you know, her recent uh, that post around, you know, you can't get hung up on the greenhouse gas and you're losing sight of the forest for the trees basically and you know so many times we have this discussion and debate over and over again about the you know the footprint or the energy consumption of one chain or another and you really can't get hung up or you know run into a brick wall about the tools that we're using to combat climate change being imperfect you know there's urgency around the climate crisis right now we're using the tools that we have available to us and crypto and blockchain are those tools and we're making them better and more impactful every single day. And so yeah, Evine really illustrated that, uh, I thought, so much with her, her article there. Uh, how about for you, Rich? What was one of your top takeaways?
3: It's heartening to hear that people like Avin are are helping shape our regulators' opinions by putting out important research. And clearly, I think that was reflected in the executive order that uh, of course she was not directly involved with, but, but we know that there was advisement from the World Economic Forum towards the administration. So I just think it's, it's bridging this gap and cryptocurrency has come so far in the last several years in terms of acceptance and acknowledgement by those in charge. And I think that it's people like Avine and others that are going to help finish bridging this gap and bringing legitimacy to the blockchain space and uh, help us accomplish our mission.
0: Excellent. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Diamond Hands, was so there anything that really stuck with you?
1: I think it's the question that we always ask our guests, which is the 2033 question. And the way she visualized or vision, envisioned the success of Sisa and the refi space, you know, to have the human touch, to look at it, to kind of like humanize the whole thing, really, really sits with me. And it's really, I mean, maybe, I'm not sure, but like, this is a really fresh take on to see you know the success of the space itself and really looking forward that i don't know to be working with her closer next time you know going forward like she has actually opened her doors for us you know for collaborations and uh, definitely hoping to talk to her more you know as what we have alluded earlier on like what we have right now is just like tip of the iceberg and you know be really really exciting going forward to see us having her more on the show possibly to talk more about you know the the involvement of the uh, world economic forum and with us at KlimaDAO.
0: Yeah definitely I think a great connection for us to make and pretty blown away by the fact that she joined us even too so it's just awesome. Excellent so for everything Clima make sure you're hitting up Finance, our shiny new website where you can stake bond and perhaps most importantly find a link to that Klima Discord community under the resources section. We're a decentralized autonomous organization, so Klima is community driven just like this podcast. Join us in the Discord and you'll find a great group of climates and plenty of opportunities to be an active climate too. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Avin. Thank you so much for joining us and we really look forward to saying hello once again on the very next Planet of the Climates.